Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Shelf Logic. This is Jen. This is Nicholas. And we are here today to discuss some books. We are focusing on some more science fiction books because they are the most fun. They are pretty dope. The one that I am reading, or... (laughs) (laughs) Just literally just finished. The one that I literally just finished. It's called The Three-Body Problem by Chesson Liu. And we apologize that we might have mispronounced that. (laughs) When when you listen to the audiobook, that's my best... um, that's my best try at. That's how they pronounce the name of the author. It's C-I-X-I-N-L-I-U. If you're not familiar, this is a pretty popular series right now. Um, it has recent, more recently been translated into English. It's from China. And um, they're also going to be making it into a Netflix show, which I'm very excited about. And who is the translator? Because I know... Translated by Ken Liu. Okay, because he's a... Not a super prominent science fiction writer, but he's fairly popular in his own right as well. Oh, that's good. I didn't know that. Um, I think he wrote was the Paper Menagerie. It was like a collection of short stories from maybe a two, three years ago. Oh, that's smart. I need to check that out. So first thoughts, I literally, my first thoughts are it's almost, I don't know, kind of a heavy book. <laughs> I've heard it's a lot of like it's hard science fiction. It truly is. It is there's a lot of like specific um delving into like the actual science of, you know, how a, a certain machine works, how different radio waves work and like why like when she is so one of the main characters and she's working at like a science base um and it, it, it goes in for pages and pages of talking about like she's having to do this with this machine because of Jupiter and its alignment with the sun, you know. So if you're at all intimidated by that, I would say don't be too intimidated because what you can do is get the audiobook, which I also listened to portions of the audiobook. And in those times you can kind of just be you can just kind of say, you know, I'm just waiting for the next plot element to arrive. <laughs> and and they keep talking and it's great. And then something happens and you're like, there it is. Yeah. That's that's where we want to go. But yeah, so it it does like delve into those um, deep scientific issues and problems, the three-body problem. I know we were talking about this earlier today. It is unsolvable, but I feel like it, it's still hard for my brain because I, I just assume like you have to be able to solve it. But they technically say it's just not something that can be um, – solved in in any sort of meaningful way as when you're talking about three bodies like in space rotating around each other you cannot predict it because it's going to be chaotic i don't know too much about it w- wikipedia has a super fun little gif about it it's it's pretty awesome um yeah based it, again according to wikipedia where i'm getting my very basic information on very this, basic um there's no closed form solution which it basically has an infinite number of means that essentially has an infinite number of permutations. So who knows what's going to happen with a three body problem. It's just, it's just hard for me to imagine a situation in which like, if you know the direction of an object, okay. So three objects that are like out there spinning around, why can't you figure out where they're going to go? Like, why would you not be able to do that? There's probably all these scientists that if, if they hear this, they're going to get mad at me because yes, I'm probably sorry. oversimplifying it. <laughs> yes. Remember, scientists, your work is very easy. We're just going to pick it apart in this. Well, no, and that's, I mean, that's part of, okay, I guess I can just start strictly going into, like, the actual body of the book. 
So a lot of stuff is happening in this book. It starts out with the, the uh, cultural revolution in China, which, and I, w- I was saying this earlier, I realized I knew so little about that I wanted to actually go and like read a little bit more about that. That's a whole other thing, but if that's just the backdrop. Oh. If you are interested in the cultural revolution, though, uh, a book just came out called The World Turned Upside Down, um, oh. and it was by a, oh my gosh, it was by an author who... Has, who wrote a book on the Chinese famine called Tombstone. He's kind of like a dissident author in China. Um, let me see if I can find his name. Bef- uh, Yang Jisheng okay. is the author. And I think there was a Dutch author that also wrote one probably about 10 years ago, also about the Cultural Revolution. If you are if you get through the intro and you're like, that's super crazy, I want to read more. Yeah, it's so basically what's happening is and I, I, I don't want to go into the politics of it because I'm no specialist or historian, yeah. <laughs> but there it was a time um, kind of during around the Cold War, but in China, where the youths of everywhere really took it upon themselves to do some wildly intense political uprising situation. They were definitely encouraged by, by people. People encouraged them to do these things. See, I, I don't know exactly what was going on, but I will say in the book what was going on <laughs> is that a lot of these youths had taken over this college by then. And what happened was a lot of like specialists or people high up in any field uh, were viewed as very untrustworthy because of their political associations and even things that you wouldn't think that would be politicized. Education. Were. Education, yeah. um, specifically like different like physical laws, like uh, general relativity, things like that. They're like, oh, this is... Um, reactionary, and they would say, bad, bad. Anyways, so the book starts out in what's called um, a struggle session. I won't go too much into it, but the main character, one of the main characters, name, her name is Yeah. Um, her dad does die there, and it's very sad. But that's basically like this, the starting point. You, you get the introduction, and you're thrust into this world where the, this young woman, her dad gets killed in front of her, by all these like revolutionary uh, people and then she basically just one thing after another kind of shows her that humanity is not being good <laughs> and all these things she's losing faith in humanity right and then she gets a, a brief glimmer of somebody being really nice to her oops he frames you for writing a really uh, incriminating political letter and then they like throw her in jail and all these things and so it's just kind of like back and forth back and forth and she kind of she lands herself um, at a base where they're receiving radio signals. It's basically one of those big. If you just imagine it in your head, and don't want to get too scientific in it, this is what I did: a big one of those huge radio signal platform. Uh, what are they called? Dish dish things. So on top of a mountain, birds will fly by, fall out of the sky because it's so radioactive or strong. Things are going on there, right? So <laughs> um, she lives there for many years. And you don't know what's going on with her totally. And then it does, of course, a time jump to present day. <clears throat> By the way, if you want to avoid spoilers, um, this is not <laughs> this is not what you should be listening to. Basically but, just turn this off. <laughs> I know. I, w- I will say my friend basically told me everything that happens throughout all three books. And I'm still obsessed and want to read all of them. So it's not something that's it's not something that's going to happen where because you know something you won't want to read it. Because I just find it if you if you're into this kind of subject then you just will want to read it because of what's happening in the book okay and that being I'm, said <laughs> i think it's a fairly old book too so it's i think 2000 like 
2006 is when it first came out. Um, the translation, I think, is 2014. Um, yeah. Yeah, 2006 and 2014. So, I mean, if, if, if you're really concerned about spoilers, yeah. I think the, uh, the, the statute on that is The passed. time has passed. You've had it. Um, but still, if you want to watch the show. But what happens is it does a time jump, and then we're following um, a man named Wong, and he is a scientist. And um, the, the government comes to him and they say to him, oh, terrible things are happening to all of our scientists and our specialists. Um, specifically, um, this may be as a warning to those who are listening, going downhill mentally to the extent where some of them are not choosing to continue living anymore. And so the government is kind of worried. They're saying, what is happening? All of our scientists are dying. Um we need you to go in there. And he, and so then the scientist Wong is like, um, I would never do that. And they're like, oh yeah, you say this now, but whenever we try to get somebody to go in there and like figure out what's going on, they always die. And he's like, that seems ridiculous. And so he's like, I don't want to like get involved with you guys. And then it's a back and forth, but he decides to do it. So then the detective is, is all like, oh, um, make sure to call me, like, uh, pick up like web, web addresses, be a spy for us, tell us what's going on. Cause they're going to put him in with the scientist crowd. Right. Basically, a lot of stuff starts happening. He starts to, like hallucinating things, and he he's like, "Oh, this is what's happening to everybody. They're literally losing their grip on reality." Get and so, it now. <laughs> um, but what's really interesting is you don't know. You actually don't know what's going on in that moment. I did because my friend told me what happened throughout <laughs> the entire book. But it's, it's aliens. aliens right? It's aliens. It's aliens. <laughs> so th- things progress, and then you start to learn more about Ye's backstory. And super spoiler. I'm just going to say, super spoiler, this is the plot of the book. Aliens have made contact with Earth, and basically you are catching up to the fact that Ye has literally um, ruined human civilization's future, <laughs> essentially. Basically what happens is at the mountain, the research facility where she was kind of like thrust to to like live out her life, um, she learns that the true intent of that facility is to um, send or receive alien intelligence you know what I mean to see if there's anybody out there so she figures out a way to send it in a strong enough way by like using the sun's power to send it out to the universe she sends it out and um nothing happens for years and then she's she just happens to be in one of the control rooms one day and she notices it's kind of like that scene from contact did you ever watch the movie contact? it's been a long time yeah it's where like she's just chilling out there and she's like what it's happening it's happening and so she she um Translates it and she gets a message, a message from the alien civilization known as Trisolaris. And that's a whole other aspect of the book. There's so that it keeps switching between what's happening in the book and then also what's actually happening in a video game. This is it's very complex, okay. <laughs> but the video game is showing you what actually happened on Trisolaris, the history of the civilization, which has gone over over hundreds of times because they live in a chaotic system, the three-body system. So they, every time that the suns get too close or too weird or in alignment or out of alignment, their whole civilization will fall. It'll go to sub-zero. It'll go to burning. It'll go to gravity will pull the planet apart. It's a very bad place to try to build your society, right? Of course. So you're learning about the society through the aspect of Wong playing this video game. And basically, it's kind of like, what's that one show where he's playing the video game and they're like, you're actually really good at this video game. Do you want to be um, like a war game situation? Is that, oh, Ender's Game does that too. I'm thinking of war games, I think. I guess also spoiler alert for Ender's Game, which I'm going to talk about. So, 
but yeah, so you're learning about this Trisolaris. They're real. Spoiler alert. They're real. And so they, um, it, it's, it's just such a complex book. It's so fascinating. And the more I'm talking about it, the more I'm getting excited. Um, and it's, there's two more, right? Yes, there's two more. And actually, what's really funny is when I was reading somebody, some other people's kind of review of this book, they're like, this is not the first in the series. This is the prequel to the next book. So that makes me excited because I want to read the next book. And it's true, literally. And I thought, because how my friend described it to me, they were like, basically, she gets a thing from a message from the alien civilization saying, hey, I am a pacifist. It's really lucky that I intercepted your message because guess what? My entire Trisolaris planet would love to wipe you out and just live on your planet. So don't respond to this because if you respond to this, guess what? They'll know where you're sending it from. They'll come and they'll get you. And she responds. She responds. She immediately is like, hey, humanity is terrible. Please come here and take over. <laughs> it's terrible. But, and it, to be fair, she does um, commit some murders later too. So she's not like... She's not great. She's not great. I'm trying to think if anybody else doesn't kill anybody. There's some murders happening. Really interesting book. I think it's well worth the read. If you're intimidated by like science-y talk, it's definitely like a, even like a level up from The Martian as far as like going into math and like stuff like that. Or not specifically math, but concepts. So I am just giving you the permission. You can skip over those paragraphs. It's okay. So it's think of it if you've ever seen Star Trek where magic or where science is basically magic. This is yes. not that book. Right. It's not magic. It, but it is almost like a religion to those like who are how they re, how they treat science. It's very okay. like, I don't know. It's dealt with like rebel, you know what I mean? Like reverence. It's like what they're into. But yeah, I'm, it's well worth the read. I'm super excited to read the second one. I'm super, super excited for the television show because that's my true love is TV. But um, <laughs> it's awesome. And just the thought of like, I want to get to know more about like the Trisolarans themselves because you do get to know them a little bit, but it's skewed because it's through a video game. With a perception of like you seeing other people, they're not people, obviously. And you can talk about this a little bit with Ender's Game, you know. But like, it's so who created the video game? Is it? Oh, so (laughs) (laughs) there's all this stuff. Okay, there is a uh, group of people who are like, who by the time that you're reading some of it, because it's modern day, they're super cool with the idea. They want the aliens to come, and half of so there's like a group. It's the ETO, the Earth Trisolaris organization okay they sound bad they're bad but well in our what to a trisolarian they're like yeah do it please we want to live and so but to earth as humans we're like this is really bad why would you want some aliens to come annihilate us sure valid um there are even two factions within the eto one faction is like oh we want the trisolarians to come teach us and like take over and like because humanity does nuclear bombs humanity does pesticides bad stuff right they think that that would happen. The other side is like, we just want them to come annihilate humans. Humans are a disease. So they're kind of like warring factions within the ETO. But what will the what will the Trisolarans actually do? We don't know. We need to keep reading. Okay. So um, I want to know more about the Trisolarans because you oh, ETO makes the video game because they get inform they got information from the Trisolarans. I'm guessing the ETO version is like some sort of propaganda, basically. Sort of, the ETO is like a secret group created by Yay and, or yeah, and um, this guy named Evans who's rich. Okay. It's very complicated. Because Evans kill a lot of people. Evans, I think, I can't remember if it's him or another man, but he does kill someone. Somebody kills somebody. Yeah, somebody does kill somebody. And then he, they get killed at the, the next ETO meeting because yeah, it does not like that. Okay. But then it's just, it is, there's, you know, it happens. I think it's well worth a read. The book itself, um, I like that it has, it doesn't have too small a font. 
I know that's not super relevant to what we're talking about, but... It's not a long book either. I'm looking it's at not. it right now. It's like 300 pages. About three 350 pages. Good margins. Sometimes it's... And I think that's by virtue of it not being a, a trade... Uh, back yeah. thing sometimes it, when it's too small i'm like i can't i can't even do it yeah but it's a very comfortable read or listen to it that way you can uh hear how the names are pronounced which is nice because a lot of the names i for me at least i didn't know how to pronounce them until i listened to the audiobook yeah and the narrator is is pretty good i heard luke daniels who i've heard some of his stuff before a really really good narrator yeah it was i i found it enjoyable i kind of did half and half i switched between i strongly recommend it and so continues my love of science fiction Thank you. Um, I'm going to talk about a couple of them today. Um, I kind of vacillated between um, some older science fiction and some newer stuff, but I figured I'd I'd kind of focus today on Ender's Game and Starship Troopers. Um, So Ender's Game, if you don't know, uh, spawned like a whole multimedia franchise, I guess. There's the original book. There's like three direct sequels. There's uh, two prequel series. There's like an interquel series. There's a uh, there's a movie that had Ben Kingsley, who may or may not just like give it, take any role you give him just at this point in his life. I guess he'll just be in anything. Um, but it was written originally as a short story in the '80s, I believe, uh, by Orson Scott Card, who's also who's a, he's done some other stuff too. Um, but really, if you know him, you know like Ender's Game. Um, but he expanded into into kind of a full length book, um, and it covers this kid. is His real name is Andrew, but they call him Ender. Um, I don't actually. They don't super explain why in the book. Um, what it what if, whatever the um, I don't know governing body of the world is, um, or actually the United States because it's not the world at this point. Um, it is the world, but there's no world government, that sort of thing. They come and basically say, you're a genius. We all know it. So we're going to take you away, put you in a rocket, send you up to a space station. And there you're going to compete against other children. Because remember, this is children, um, to lead our armies basically, um, against this alien threat called, um, they call them the buggers and the books, um, their actual name is the Formix, is like their their real race name. Um, when you're not, I guess, slurring an alien race. Yeah. Um, but so you know, they send him up there. Humanity's been attacked by by the Formix, like I think forty or fifty years before this book starts. And actually, one of the prequel series, both of the prequel series, talk about the first and second invasions type thing. Um, that would be interesting. Yeah, I don't know any of those. The the one that covers the first Formic War is is um, finished, um, but the one that covers the second is not yet. It's got two out of three out. Okay. Um, but uh, uh, I've read some of the books. They're pretty. They're not written by Orson Scott Card, but they're good. Okay. Um, so they send him up, um, and this kid, he's like nine. He's like nine. Yeah, so he's a very child. He's so tiny. So think of like, just look at a nine year old and think, yeah. would I train this child to be a soldier? And your answer is hopefully no, but, uh, you know, essentially he goes, they kind of pit him against kids from like day one. Like they basically teach you, don't get too comfortable with these kids. These kids are your enemy. You know, you need to grind them down and yeah, don't trust that's anybody. So sad. It's like prison basically. Yeah. Like, you know, don't trust anyone. Shank somebody as soon as you can type thing. Yeah. Um, through a tr- series of trials, he of course becomes 
you know, the best commander and the best. yeah, like no one ever was. Yeah. Um, and they, they essentially just keep stacking the deck against him more and more and more. So at first, um, like every, every army air quotes has a commander and there's rules that, you know, your army won't fight more than this many battles in a week. Um, every army has the same starting conditions, you know, that sort of thing. So Ender keeps finding ways around these. Um, the, the big part of the book is, is called the battle room. That's where all the action takes place. It's basically a zero gravity room, um, where these little children kind of maneuver in zero gravity. Um, they shoot at each other with guns that kind of freeze the suits they're wearing, essentially knocking someone out of commission. Um, and then the goal is basically to like get to the enemy's gate, like capture the flag. Um, so, you know, Ender figures out that if you freeze part of somebody, but not all of them, you can use somebody as a shield to kind of guard yourself. Um, they find out that, you know, for example, it was, it was, uh, customary to kind of wait in the hallway leading up to the room and kind of all file in, you know, all, all sportsmanlike, but Ender just started sending people out, you know, like, I don't know, like you're jumping out of an airplane. So that, that all, all he does all the stuff that changes the game. So the game is never the same. Um, and they basically start, the, the adults start, um, you know, having the other team had to have an advantageous starting position. They have cover. They, they already get in the room, you know, five minutes before Ender's army can. At one point he fights two armies at once. At one point it's like three battles in one day and he, they just basically push him and push him and push him. Um, and then once he breaks down, they graduate him. Uh, and then they send him on to something called command school where he basically pr practices like maneuvering fleets around was this all in book one this was all in book one. Oh my goodness <laughs> it's actually a surprisingly thick but it's like 400 pages yeah. it's pretty big yeah it's it's funny you're telling me like a member i'm like oh yeah the zero gravity room. yeah the, i just the, couldn't remember any of it such a good book i kind of want to read it again now, now that i'm yeah, talking about it check it out read it <laughs> but yeah he goes to command school learns to maneuver fleets so that when they you know attack the buggers he's going to be their commander he starts playing all these games against this old war hero um turns out the war hero was never really playing the games ender was secretly leading the invasion the whole time oh uh, and that part breaks my heart actually and he ends up ending the invasion because if you'll remember in battle school, they basically told him throughout all the rules, you know, no matter what you do, you win at all costs. Yeah. So the last battle ends up with him and his fleet around a planet, which they tell him, you know, this is the bugger homeworld. So, you know, he's, you know, outnumbered like a 500,000 to one, like so many, so many ships. So he has a weapon. It's basically, I don't know, a mega nuke. Uh -huh. Um, it, it can destroy anything, so he ends up firing it at the planet, tearing the planet apart, and, you know, he says, he's like, they'll never make me play any games again. Like, I just genocide, you know, fake genocided this race. I'm like a monster. When he takes off his headphones, he hears all this cheering. He sees these grown men weeping, uh -huh. and he, he's like, what's going on? And, you know, they say, you did it. You ended the war. And he's like, uh, you mean I, I killed... I just want to cry. Yeah, he's like, you mean I killed every single... You know, person. Yeah, yeah, I destroyed a planet full of living beings. They're like, "Yep, good job, buddy." And they love it. They yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah, they're so stoked. But yeah, I remember he has like a telepathic connection to them somehow, which I can't remember why. Yes, it's so because the the buggers don't like 
they don't have a tr- they're not individuals it's kind of like hive mind style yeah um he has he ends up finding an egg at the end i remember that um, i remember that part which, which is tied into this weird computer game thing that i'm not even going to talk about because it's yeah. I, it's very odd um but science fiction yeah yeah there we go <laughs> it's uh it's a good book the movie was yeah. okay i i don't remember the movie but yeah, I, I would reread that book too. Yeah. I don't know if I'd reread the sequels because originally they did start out as different books, but then they kind of got folded in. So, Interesting. Eh. yeah, they're, they're a lot more hard sci-fi than Ender's Game though. So I honestly, I would say if you read Ender's Game and then read the three body problem and think, right? I really like the hard science fiction, mm-hmm. start, start the next part in the Ender's Game series, which I think is called Speaker for the Dead. Um... That's real hard science fiction. Interesting, yeah. That's yeah. I I never read. I only read the first one of Ender's Game, so maybe I will check it out because I liked Three Body Problem a lot. Um, it's just so it it's interesting to think about like the connection between that video game and the Ender's Game video game. Yeah, because it's both like a way of. It was both real. I mean, it's not the video game is actually a video game. It's like more like watching a movie because you're learning the history yeah. of everything, but it's still like. I don't know. They're using it in science fiction as like a way to say this is reality. Yeah, that's an interesting yeah, tie over. In Ender's Game, it was like a weird. I don't know. It was basically supposed to like adapt to the person, um, mm-hmm. but it was almost more like a daydream fantasy. At some point, you know, Ender's brother and sister, who I haven't even talked about, but that's its whole own subplot. Um, kind of appear in the game and then the the programmers think wait how is this we didn't program it to do this how is this possible mm-hmm. um, but yeah it's interesting yeah. well yeah check Ender's game out at the library and also three body problem but oh three body problem is available as an audiobook on hoopla oh nice so no waits yeah, yeah you'd have to wait for it on that one and then you also don't have to if, if you're if you get uh, brain sad about all the sciencey like Things. Even because here's the thing, I like science a lot, and even some of these, I was like, "Whoa, this is getting pretty heavy," and so I kind of zoned out. I will say, but then you can just zone right back in because they're just reading it for you. If you want something on the opposite end, that's also a quick read: uh, "Starship Troopers" by Robert Heinlein. If you've never read it, "Starship Troopers," which is not at all like the Paul Verhoeven movie from 1999, so don't be disappointed there. Um, it's basically covers two parts it's kind of the same same plot as that movie for all of you who remember the plot of the 20 i never saw it um so basically i don't know why i'm picking books with that has humanity under attack by giant bugs but i guess that's where my mind is um so it was you know humanity is under attack by giant bugs they they wipe out i think it's a buenos aires um i think they sling a meteor at it and just like destroy it um and then the main character of Starship Troopers, uh, Johnny Rico, who I always just love saying that name. Uh, he's actually, his real name is Juan Rico, which is an interesting nod at diversity from 1950s sci-fi, um, who I think he's from the Philippines, if I recall, in the book. Um, the movie makes him very white, and oh. he's played by Casper Van Diem. Diem? I don't know. I don't yeah. know them. Um, but it basically kind of follows his his trajectory, he's training, he uses what they call power armor, which is basically an armored exoskeleton. So Robert Heinlein is kind of like the father of that. Like uh-huh. any any sci-fi you see with like, 
you know, like Warhammer 40K or there's other ones. Is it like I'm a sure. giant skeleton or is yeah, it? It's basically it's like, like armor, like a kind of like a person. I think they compare it to a gorilla in the book. Okay. But it, it like amplifies strength, lets him breathe in space. It's got guns attached. Like, because I guess they, they actually did not feature it in the movie for oh. some reason, um, which was odd because that's like this book's contribution to science fiction is the concept of of kind of spaceborne infantry, they call them the mobile infantry in the book, uh-huh. and then um, this this giant powered armor that kind of like equalizes the terms between man and beast, as it were. Yeah. Um, so half the book is is Johnny Rico's like you know he's fighting the bugs off like Pluto and you know all these places, and um, the other half is his drill sergeant basically delivering lectures on like political philosophy it's the most odd thing it's this very kind of individualistic like you know like at one point he says you know not everyone should be a citizen only in the um in the books the only people that are citizens are people who have been soldiers so it's it's kind of gotten yeah it's gotten a lot of of pushback from it's it's been the subject of a debate over the past you know 60 years as to whether Heinlein really believed these things. Or that or... that was like just like an element of the story that was like, he was like, yeah, isn't that gross? Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess that, I guess, um, and and especially because he, he wrote later wrote Stranger in a Strange Land, which is like the hippiest science fiction book ever. Really? I haven't read that. I haven't it's read that. Super, I, I couldn't read it. Like, it's really? so trippy. Um, so I'm going to try it. Yeah, it's, it's big, too. It's oh, a no. couple hundred pages. Um, but, so that's kind of, then, you know, as Heinlein's most famous book, it's it's ignited that controversy. You know, does this book promote militarism and say essentially only soldiers are valuable and only they deserve the right to vote? Or is Heinlein kind of like, you know, hyping it up and over kind of overplaying his hand in the satire, basically? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I think that's so interesting that all of these books, it seems like, are so political. And I don't, I don't often see that in other genres. You know what I mean? I was just thinking about that. Science fiction can be so political. And I know especially because I know parts of the three-body problem, I think the chapters on the Cultural Revolution were not present in the Chinese edition. Oh, really? Um, because that's something that they're... That's spooky. You know, ...not super comfortable with. Um, yeah, with, I, can see, I can see that. I think that would be hard, though, because then you, her backstory, that's yeah. her backstory. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's what I, I think I've read. I, I haven't actually perused a Chinese edition, so I oh, could yeah. be wrong. But I know Starship Troopers um, was written during the Cold War as well, like the early Cold War. So there's, you know, Heinlein was kind of drawing this kind of line between the individual mobile infantry and then these like faceless hordes that are coming after you. Like, you know, and, and it's pretty clear most people think he was referring to the Chinese, because that was just after the Korean War, or kind of like oh, the no. Soviet bloc in general. Yeah. Like, but yeah, it's definitely a very political book, and it, it, it involved, it's such a contribution to science fiction, but it's not one that maybe is super enjoyable to read. It's kind huh. of a weirdly structured, oddly boring book. Yeah. How, how long did you say it is? <sighs> a couple hundred pages. Let me okay. look up the page count it's not it's not long um because i won't be ashamed to admit the page that how many pages are in a book really will dictate what whether i read it or not it's 263 pages oh it's, you can it's do short. it yeah and even then, if it's hard to get through <laughs> and then stranger in a strange land is 408 so okay almost double <laughs>
Um, yeah. Oh, Ender's Game is 324. Interesting. Yeah, Ender's Game is fast because it's get you get. I remember when I started, I was like, oh my goodness, and then you have to just read the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> and then you kind of have to make yourself forget it's kids after a while. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You see, that's the weirdest part. They're children. They're yeah. little children. Yeah, but yeah. I think that's a solid set of science fiction to start off the spring. Um, if you're interested in any of them, they are here at the Maricopa County Library District. Yes. Enjoy. Happy reading. Yeah. Don't watch the movie version of Starship Troopers. Okay, I won't. Um, nobody should ever. <laughs> Actually, it's a surprisingly, it's a pretty good anti-war satire. Oh, okay. And like, it's like a really anti-war movie, kind of like... Plays is it up. a comedy? Is that what a comedy? No, it plays up a lot of the like. It, it, it basically takes things to their logical, like to to an absurd level, absurd. like yeah, like you know, if if you see like a you know a patriotic poster, it's like, it's it's very it's like extra, like okay, you know, it's it's kind of it's making fun of that kind of like, it, it well it came out at a, at a time too. Um, let me see when that movie came out. Ninety seven. Okay, so. So before before uh, 9-11, but it came out kind of satirizing this, like, na- militarism and nationalism and just kind of was like, but what if we made it ridiculous? Mm-hmm. That's uh, interesting. Also, it has Neil Patrick Harris in it, and he explodes a bug with, like, a, a, an electric gun, so that's pretty fun. Oh. Young NPH. Oh. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.